my interest in Palantir has been spiked. I did a video uh, just the other day. This is a thumbnail of it. And I'd, I'd encourage you, if you're interested in, in Palantir, take a look at it because it's a deep dive into exactly what does Palantir do and where does it fit into what I'm going to choose to call the Digital Re Revolution 3.0. What I kind of surmise, if, if you'll bear with me, is that under Digital Revolution 1.0, Google gave us, has given us, all the information we want to know in exchange for all the information they want to know about us. And then they've turned around and sold all the information around us to help advertisers to put products in front of us that they think we want to buy. That's that's how that's Google. As a result of this whole thought process, I've gone back to start reading. Yes, the book is properly held. Um, it, uh, the Life After Google. This is a book that was written in 2018. And as I remember, George uh, Gilder, uh, who's a guy about my age, is basically predicting that Google will disappear, it will be replaced. Um, I don't know exactly if Palantir is what is going to re replace Google, but to summarize what I think Palantir is, is Google gave us, gives us everything we want to know for free. Palantir will give us all the data, all the information that we need to know at a price. Okay? Uh, Google gives it to us for free in order to sell our advertising. But then through the data gathering process, Palantir will give us everything we need to know for a price. And what do I mean by that? Well, uh, certainly Google has given us access to um, search information. I mean, I, and anymore, I don't, I have no need for a library. I have no need for an Encyclopedia Britannica. I just ask my phone, uh, Google what is, and Google answers. Uh, and as a result, Google then sells my data to advertisers. But What's gotten me excited, I'm very interested in the health science, and health science is the information I need to know, and I'm willing to pay a price. Uh, cybersecurity is something that a corporation needs to know and will pay a price. Battery management is something that you'll, you'll need to know and you're willing to pay a price. The movement of cars autonomously down a highway is going to produce information that you need to know that you will have to pay a price for. So that's the digital revolution 3.0 as I see it. So with that in mind, I then want to look at Palantir as I did in that previous video and come to a conclusion as to where they're going to fit. What my next question became was, why did Palantir's price go up as it did and as I bought into it when I saw Alec... Uh, 
Alex Karp and Peter Thiel and said, those are the kind of guys I want to invest in. And it took it up somewhere around $28 a share. And now it's down to somewhere around $8 a share. I had 700 shares. I added to those 700 another 700. But I wanted to know why the price came down. And do I have the confidence that it will go up? And that's what this video is. That's my... Um, need to know that I thus want to share with you. This isn't financial advice. This is financial education so that if, in fact, sometime in the future, you want to know why, why did that price drop so much? Is that justified or is that something I want to hold? This is financial education, not financial advice. Best of Us Investors presents Kerry Griegmeier. Palantir right now has a market cap of $16.5 billion. I found that information on Seeking Alpha. So let's go to Seeking Alpha and see what I found there. Okay, this is my Seeking Alpha page. I actually don't see how anybody can function in trading if they don't belong to Seeking Alpha. As you can see, it, it tells me here it's got a one-year drop in price of about 60%. Uh, I can click there, and I get a year-to-date of down about 54%. What it's going to do is give me uh, a summation of what the market thinks of um, of Palantir at this time. I like to read the articles that and get other people's opinions, but what I came here for was basically to look at uh, their revenue streams. And as you can see, the, the, their, their revenue is growing, growing dramatically, and they're projecting future revenue. Where they run into some problems is their uh, earnings estimates and then their actual uh, predictions of earnings. And it's because, as I'll explain to you in the, in, in, a little bit later, and, and Alex will explain to you, Alex's mindset on how to build a business is based on an entrepreneur's building a business. It isn't based on how an analyst wants to see the numbers presented. Because an analyst has to compare apples to apples and oranges to oranges. And if you have a lemon in there, or let's don't call it a lemon, let's call it a pineapple, and nobody's ever seen a pineapple, they don't know how to analyze it. And Alex will explain that to you in a second, exactly why. Once again, you need to be a part, and I've negotiated you a discount on um, Seeking Alpha. I believe, through my research, is that Palantir has the potential uh, to raise its market cap to $1.645 trillion. That's, a, that's an easy 100-fold um, increase. So I want to buy 2,000 shares so that I believe my holdings will be worth somewhere around $1.6 million uh, when they hit this uh, price of 800 uh, $800 per share. So that's, I look at it and say, okay, that's where 
that's where I think it's going. That's where I want to measure it and say that's my objective to it. But still, I got to answer the question, why did it drop so much in price? Why did the analyst come out and just butcher this thing? And what I learned, and I learned it from, from, uh, from Alex in this, um, this interview or piece of tape that I'm going to show you, and I got to apologize that Alex doesn't speak in as simple a terms as you and I probably do. What he's basically saying in this piece I'm going to show you is we built this company to serve the government. And we built it on a basis that we wanted the best possible engineers that we could get and make sure they didn't leave. I'm building a company. I always look not so much for employees, but for partners. And that's what Alex built his company on. He wanted the best talent. And the best way you can get talent is give them ownership of the company. So what he has structured his payroll or his compensation program around was people achieving ownership in the company. So then when the analysts see him paying that way, they see that as dilution of shares. I, as a entrepreneur, see that as a smart way to build a company because rather than take cash out of the cash register to pay an employee you take a slip of paper and you say, here, here's a share of this company that we both are believe is going to grow enormous in size. And that's a lot worth a lot more than 300 US dollars. Okay. That's how Alex thought. That's how he built this company. That's his mindset. And so when the, when the analysts come and say, hey, You've got all this money going out in stock to your employees, and you're diluting the shares of your uh, of your shareholders in doing that, and that isn't good business practices. Well, it isn't from their analysis point of view, and it is or isn't from a stockholder's point of view. I kind of like it because, as Alex says in this thing, we got all the cash we need. Watch this this piece here. There's stock-based comp and there's dilution. The dilution thing, that's a red herring. We're, we're not issuing a lot of new shares. I think it's like in the $9 million range. And so it would be a little coy of me to say uh, that's like no issue, move on. The, the, the thing to understand about Palantir, and then I'll, I want to just hit this, is like it's actually not the result of the DPO. It's the result of the fact that we were completely focused on building product. We had no earthly idea we were going to DPO until like right before we did it. And so most companies are, I mean, quite frankly, built so that the, you know, when analysts look at it, the primary customer of most software companies is not the client. It's the software analyst. So it's like we, we obviously, our primary client are our clients which doesn't mean, you know, and now we're thinking about how do we expose the data in a way that, you know, people on the outside like you and professional analysts and others can look at the data and get a better sense of what's tracking, what's not tracking. But the primary source of a lot of these, like, questions really comes down to, look, we built the company to support the U.S. warfighter primarily and then do take dual use it for the glory of humanity, particularly humanity in the West. That was our idea. And because that the primary, our primary client was not, what uh, you know, someone at a hedge fund would think. We didn't actually think of these things from inception. 
And so, so now there's a process of normalization. You're going to see that in going forward on these calls. It's like, how do you normalize? How do you provide data that people can look at? How do you provide data that people can understand uh, that they're used to seeing while simultaneously staying true to what our, our, our mission is? It's like our primary clients are the people we're serving. We're in full line with, the, with them. Okay, then it, I thought it was kind of, I guess, encouraging that he almost admits, look, I don't know this part of the business, but I am told we'll get this rectified to satisfy you in the future. And he's speaking to, to the analysts directly. Um, watch this. How do you actually run the company so it's profitable someday on a gap basis? Not stripping out comp, and that, that is also within eyesight. And those are, those are goals for Palantir because same reason we have no debt, same reason we have $2.3 billion on our balance sheet. This is a company built for bad times. Bad times mean strong finances internally, and that means at some point you have to be gap profitable. You can't be gap profitable if you're diluting people or what you, correctly. Uh, your, high, your, stat, your, 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 your stock based comp is totally at, is, is not in conformity with other companies. So you're seeing a normalization. This will change. It will change in, in the relatively near future. It'll be linked to other things that we believe are important for Palantir, like having a company that thrives in bad times. And we are. You know, bad times are very good for Palantir because we build products that are robust, that are built for danger, and then the finances internally are actually built for bad times. And bad times means you, you have free cash flow, the free cash flow turns into gap profit. That means the stock-based comp has to be one that's aligned with our investors also because that's basically, you know, it's part of a little bit longer philosophical narrative, but like if, if software is the only moat, then value and gross shares have to be evaluated in terms of their value. Value only exists if you can actually get a tech moat, call it, maybe it's something besides, and growth only exists if you build a company that is where the technology is strong enough, the business fundamental is strong enough that the free cash flow actually turns into gap profitability, and that's linked to stock risk. So this is a, is a priority both because you care, but also, quite frankly, because it's for, it, it is the health of our company, which we care a lot about. So Alex has woken up to the fact that he he has to he has to run his company under the scrutiny of a bunch of analysts that analyze every company basic the same basically under the same model uh, based on numbers and numbers only. And he said, okay, if I'm going to play in your ballpark, which I agreed to do when I took the company public, I will change the structure of our company to feed your needs. Shame on you, Alex, but I understand. And I appreciate it because that will help me get the price my, of my shares up to $800 a share sometime in the future. So I'm comfortable that at some point in the future, and I'm not going to put a date on it, uh, I would say sometime in my lifetime that uh, Alex's or Palantir's market cap will mar match the current market cap of, of Google at $1.6 trillion. Uh, and I'm comfortable with that because I think that there is going to be a higher price on the the knowledge that I need to know than the knowledge that I want to know. 
In other words, I think it's going to become more important to me and to you to know um, how do I cure this disease that I have in my body or how do I securely drive my vehicle down the highway while I've while I'm watching a movie uh, or how do we move airplanes through the sky more uh, more rapidly and efficiently and in other words the information we need to know is going to become more of more valuable to me and to the rest of the world than the the, the, the information I want to know um, how old is Clint Eastwood? Okay, I want to know that. So I ask my phone and Google tells me and gives it to me free. And in exchange, Google t- tells the the movie producers that Carrie's interested in, in Clint Eastwood. That's the exchange there in Google. I believe that the exchange between me and Palantir or the, the the traffic control people of um, moving multiple automobiles down the highway at 80 miles an hour is much more valuable information than how old is Clint Eastwood. Okay, that's what I believe is happening in the future. So that's why I believe that Palantir's price will equal, if not surpass, that or market cap will equal, if not surpass, that of Google. That's my logic. Now, something else that I want to share with you that I it just kind of came to me is the path of the recent path of Palantir's stock price. It, it matches perfectly that of Amazon. Take a look at this. This is an early chart of um, Amazon.com. As you can see, it was IPO'd back in uh, June of 1997 at somewhere around, it looks like, oh, $2.40 a share. And then it shot up to about $114 a share. And then from uh, December 1999 to um, November 2001, it lost 94% of its value. Um, And then we know basically what happened from there. And uh, we now look at a stock that sells, that used to sell for about $3,800 a share, and today is on sale for $2,142. This is a daily chart on Palantir. Started out at about, it looks like about $9 a share, $8.81. Shot up to uh, $45, and now it's back down to $8.01 a share. That's Palantir. So, is it fair to say this is a repeat performance? This is um, Digital Revolution 3.0, and this, Palantir, is your next Amazon.com. Okay, that's my analysis, which is all came as a result of a question that Bob from Ireland proposed to me and and the other participants in our Friday Zoom call as a part of our Discord, asking the question, 
should I or shouldn't I buy Palantir stock? At that point, I had 700 shares. Today, I have uh, 1,400 shares. And Bob, I'm looking to add another 400 to get me up to 2,000. Now, Palantir is up today about 6%. It's up to about, uh, I think it's $8.50. I suspect that something will happen in the next couple of days and it'll come back down and I'll, I'm going to try to buy some down in the $7 figure range. So that's my take on on Palantir. That's my take on the future of search. I'm going to be able, or my doctor, or my my medical facility will be able to search and find what's, what's wrong with Carrie under these diagnoses that we currently have and access all the data in the world to help me make a better healthcare decision, to help drivers make a better, a safer movement through traffic. We, um, it, it comes down to Google's giving us data for free that we want to know. Companies like Palantir are going to give us the data that we need to know to make our lives better. That's how I see it. That's why I'm investing the way I am. If this is follows your logic and you adds to your life, just you know, give us a like. But more importantly, come share your information with us. Come join our our uh, Discord. All you got to do is go to Best of Us Investors or go into the description, and you'll find a link there. Okay. Uh, I'm high on Palantir. I'm high. I'm just damn high on on the world that is going to be presented to me over the next five to ten years. I really don't care about inflation. I'll get through this. Music.